0: You hid something from me this week,
1: yes, I did
0: I don't like this <laughs> I like when I hide stuff from you I don't like the other way around
1: <laughs> now you know how I feel
0: yeah don't do this even
1: though, even though you can you you can technically unhide it I, I don't yeah want I know you. but
0: it feels like that feels dirty
1: <laughs> right <laughs> When we get like, there. I
0: feel bad when you accidentally ride the shift key one letter too long and I go in and fix that.
1: <laughs> I noticed. Water. Earth. Fire. Air.
0: Long ago, the four nations lived together in harmony. Then, everything changed when the Fire Nation attacked. Only the avatar. Abit- master of all four elements, could stop them. But when the world needed him most, he vanished. A hundred years passed and my brother and I discovered the new avatar, an airbender named Aang. And although his airbending skills are great, he has a lot to learn before he's ready to save anyone. But I believe Aang can save the world. Hello, and welcome to The Pie Show with your hosts, I'm Colton
1: and I'm Kelly
0: and this week we are talking about book one chapter nine the waterbending scroll yay in this episode you know normally we say in this episode and then we go into a summary
1: The summary doesn't but fit that, that. that
0: doesn't fit like English no. that's not how words work
1: no not for this one
0: and it feels, like, weirdly robotic to be, like, summary, and then, like, say a summary. <laughs> so, what happened? We'll tell you. While teaching Aang about waterbending, Katara realizes her skills are inadequate. Luckily, she comes across a waterbending scroll at a boutique.
1: So, Colton, what I really loved here is that I talked about the last episode, And how I really loved the quiet of the ending of the episode. And here we are starting this episode. And all that quiet is gone. Aang is pacing. He's on the saddle of a bison. And he's pacing mid-air. He's like, gotta do it. Gotta do it. Small time frame. Gotta do this. Gotta do that. How am I gonna get there? And they're having the family conversation that you kind of expected at the last one. And I think it's a really cool transition piece.
0: Yeah, I think it works. You know, they it looks, it reads to me like they took the night off after, you know, everything happened. We have this big shift in the way we have to think about the world. And, you know, we're going to take the night to process it. But Aang wakes up the next day and, like, the anxiety has started to set in.
1: Yes. I couldn't help but think about how you were talking about how you'd seen... Most shows, a season is a, is a year, and this show, it's till the end of the summer. It's it, within the same, it's in a much shorter time frame.
0: Yeah, like eight months maximum.
1: Yeah, and so this very much could be legit the next day.
0: I think it is. Like, I, I think that's how we're supposed to read it.
1: I would agree with you.
0: And I, it also feels a bit like maybe, you know, last episode we ended the way we did, Because we wanted that hard juxtaposition that really hit home of like, you know, the the big battle, the big fight with Roku's spirit in the Avatar state. Blasting our way out of the island and, and then just the quiet and the silence. And, you know, like you said, that it really makes it hit harder. But here's the other ending that we were maybe thinking about doing where Aang just kind of is a big ball of energy.
1: And freaks out. And
0: we didn't put it in as the ending, but we'll put it in as the beginning.
1: Yeah. It's funny that you say, you know, it lets people settle with it. In in journalism, they talk about, you know, the importance of silence. And when you ask a question, that especially sometimes a hard question, to just let people sit with that uncomfortable silence and see what comes out of it. And if you sit long enough, you're going to get the other person to do something. And I feel like the audience sat long enough and we got Aang to, you know, get up, start moving, like, I got to do something. I got to do something. No one else is doing something. Why aren't you doing something?
0: So they decide to have Katara teach Aang waterbending. Yes. Why haven't they decided to have Katara teach Aang the waterbending that she knows already?
1: I am glad you asked. So I think they haven't had the incentive yet because they were both going to learn waterbending. She does not feel like she knows enough yet. And they're both going to the North Pole to learn waterbending. That's that's their task. So why does he need to pick up anything from, you know, her who's never really had formal training? I don't think she's felt confident enough in it to be teaching someone else yet. And there hasn't been that incentive. Like, maybe she's kind of wanted to show him stuff, but he's been focused on other things. His focus has been riding large animals. You know? When has Aang been fo- Been interested in it?
0: I'm not sure that she maybe wanted to show him some stuff.
1: I like that. Well, okay, I think that.
0: I think she, at least a little bit, and I think we see this later in the episode, I think she liked that they were both benders, but they were different kinds of benders
1: so okay i picked on something up on something similar too i find that with katara and i'll talk about this a bit more a good portion of her identity is i am a waterbender that is her identity that has been what differs her from everyone else she's ever known and i think a part of her wants to keep it to herself she doesn't want to share it and i think especially when we get into her actually teaching Aang, we see some realization of this she doesn't want to share this piece of her that the only other person she has kind of shared this with is was maybe her mom cuz we don't know we just we we know the fire nation killed her mother but we and we know you know that they were looking for do we know that they were looking for waterbenders yet? Or we just know it was a Fire Nation raid?
0: We know it was a Fire Nation raid. We know the Fire Nation has kind of done away with all of the benders.
1: I think we're kind of assuming that her mother was a waterbender.
0: We don't... Yeah. We don't know anything more. I mean, we can put those two together and say, you know, she was killed in a raid. During the raid, they killed the waterbenders. So there. Like, it, it's implied.
1: Yeah. It's implied. Um, so maybe that's something that she had only shared with her, potentially her mother beforehand. And, you know, this, I don't think she's ready. I don't think she's emotionally ready to let anybody into that space yet, but now she's being forced to.
0: I think in a way she feels like Aang learning waterbending takes away from part of her identity. Yes. It doesn't, but I think she feels that way.
1: I do feel like she thinks she's losing a piece of her when, instead of sharing her knowledge, she's losing it to somebody else.
0: Ooh, yeah, that's that's a good way of putting it. So I think that, yeah, I I think that's how she is feeling right now.
1: It's it's something that's being taken from her, and if she can't provide that for the group. Then what does she provide? And that's pretty much the crux of this episode. If she can't provide waterbending, what does she provide? I don't think we get an answer.
0: I think we have an answer already from the show. I don't think we have that answer reinforced this week.
1: Yeah. This week we I don't I don't see us getting kind of closure on that.
0: Yeah, I think I think we as the audience can can look at it and can look back at what we've seen her do already. And we can we have that answer.
1: Like Katara, you are a strong contributing member of the group.
0: But Katara does not have that answer.
1: She doesn't see it yet. Yeah. And this is her first time away from home. Like there are a lot of factors going into this.
0: And beyond her not seeing it, I think this is the first time she's ever asked herself that question.
1: Mm. I feel it's really interesting to see Katara insecure. Yeah, because so far we haven't seen that. This is the first one where where I feel like, you know, Katara is the one who's unsure of herself and uh, unsure of what to do and unsure of her place.
0: We've seen Zuko insecure. We've seen our primary antagonist insecure
1: Mm -hmm.
0: more than one of our protagonists. Yeah. Wow, never thought of that.
1: I also, it's really interesting, I'm thinking about this now, and so Aang has his freak out and Katara calms him down, like at the beginning, he's like, I gotta go, I gotta go, we gotta do this, and she's like, she's like, we can do this, she's like, and I'll start to teach you, how about that? Let's figure that out. I feel like some of this also might be her anxiety, like she doesn't voice that Oh, God! We need to get the avatar fully trained and master of all four elements by the end of summer. Like she doesn't voice that concern, but then we start to see her be more insecure of herself, be more insecure in her bending, you know, and do th- and and do things that she wouldn't normally do. Is this some of her anxiety potentially coming out about, oh God? We have to save the world in, like, less than, like, six months, you know?
0: I I hadn't realized that, but yeah, I think you're right. I think I think it is. And I think some of her anxiety when she has trouble being the teacher that Aang needs and when she has trouble learning some of the waterbending skills that she tries to learn later in the episode, yeah, that weight is there of, like, oh, oh, no, I need to learn this so that I can teach it because if I can't teach it, then we're all doomed.
1: Maybe we have a character who doesn't voice their insecurity and anxiety as much, but shows it through action. Whereas, you know, both Aang and Sokka and even Zuko have voiced their insecurity and what they're feeling anxious about or what they're feeling nervous about or what they feel that they've failed at. You know what I mean? Zuko's like always looking for his honor. Sokka gets down on his knees before the Kyoshi Warriors Aang is pacing back and forth and says how he's not good enough and feels guilty about being the Avatar. Katara hasn't voiced this anxiety, and we don't really hear her voice it too much, but we do see a lot of the actions to it.
0: Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to watch for that going forward.
1: <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm, I'm kind of putting the pieces together myself as I'm like, wait a second. This seems like something you would do if you had an anxiety attack, like a panic attack. Some of these things, you know, the frustration, the irritability, um, the, you know, struggling to do tasks that you normally can do, especially under pressure in front of people. Like, I'm like, oh, my God, is she having an anxiety attack? Because I get that. (laughs)
0: so, Kelly, we have another first this week.
1: We have a first?
0: We have the most important first for our show in particular.
1: Tell me about it.
0: We have the first pie show.
1: The pie show.
0: Pack it up. Roll the credits. We're done. We got the (laughs) pie show.
1: We got the pie show. Oh, I'm so excited. It's such an interesting concept to throw in this this uh board game that uncle iroh says you know relates to life
0: i love his his metaphor but i also love how the board game sets up yet again and i feel like every week i'm saying this iroh's whimsy is validated in the events of the show and in the unfolding of the show Every single time.
1: Ooh, okay. Explain.
0: When we catch up with Zuko and Iroh in this episode, you know, Zuko wants to push forward, track down the avatar, he's practicing his firebending, and Iroh diverts the course and sends them sends them away from you know Zuko's well, heading.
1: He lost his white lotus tile. And he needs a new one.
0: And so he sends them to the first port that they can get to. Lo and behold, that's where Team Avatar is. (laughs) Look
1: who's shopping next door.
0: (laughs) The the way for Zuko to get what he wants is to be more like Iroh and to listen to Iroh and to go along with Iroh. (laughs) And the writers are telling us this almost every week. And Zuko is not here to learn it.
1: He's not seeing it yet because he's got blinders on and all he can see is the avatar and regaining his honor, capturing the avatar and regaining his honor. Like he can play that on a loop.
0: Yeah. But when he goes and he, and he listens to Iroh and he, you know, tries to look out for Iroh and, and he pursues that, that is when he is most honorable.
1: And it's also when he finds the avatar. And it is. Almost seems kind of like a, like a, destiny. Seems like something uh, along the lines of you know meant to be. It's just weird how that happens all the time.
0: Yeah, yeah. The <laughs> listeners can't see, but I am just, <laughs> I am making a face right now. <laughs> <laughs> We're having fun this week.
1: It's a Kelly got me face. (laughs) It is. You did. (laughs) I think pie show is such a fun recurring thing in the Atlee universe. I love the elements of it. I love how there's so many different ways to play it in the Atlee universe. And uh, fun fact. It was a favorite game of Avatar Kirk, the waterbending avatar, and uh the person they believed to be the avatar after him actually owned forty two pie show boards like they were like collected them.
0: I don't even own one.
1: <laughs> Nickelodeon actually created a like pie show video game uh like online gaming system for it,
0: but yeah, uh you know. We are in fall right now in the Northern Hemisphere, and the holiday season is approaching. So if you are just looking to get a co-host of yours uh, a gift (laughs) this holiday season, and you're not sure, you know, there's
1: (laughs) just... She's got uh, the hint, Colton. There
0: are options out there.
1: (laughs) She's got the hint. Also, fun introduction of the Lotus Tile. Ooh, the, the missing lotus. lotus tile. Missing white lotus tile.
0: I really love that Iroh has, like, even in this game, that Zuko does not respect him for playing. He's like, oh, yeah, not only do I play this game, but, like, I play this game in a way that nobody else does.
1: He has an unusual strategy with that is the white lotus tile is instrumental to. I... Really love that this sets up so much. And a fun little catch that I noticed is that Uncle Iroh talks about the white lotus tile and how you should not underestimate its value. And that it is, you know, a it might seem all pretty and nice, but you should not underestimate its value. And then they cut to Saka scrubbing gunk. From Appa's Toes. And I might be the crazy person with the red yarn here, but I see that as don't underestimate each member of the team's value. And Sokka will eventually have more involvement with a White Lotus Tile.
0: I didn't catch that, but I don't think the red yarn is that far-fetched. I think that's pretty intentional. That I think, it, I think it's clearly saying, don't underestimate Sokka. Because we kind of have a lot of reason to so far.
1: Yeah. yeah. We have a
0: lot of reason not to. And thank you for showing me how many ways we should not underestimate him so far. Like, uh-huh. thank you. You pointed it out a lot to me. I am much softer on him this time than I was the first time.
1: We all are. But we do
0: at this point also have a lot of reason to underestimate him. Oh yeah. And I think that that clear if you're looking for it, subconscious if you're not, message in the in the cinematography of the show is, is pretty cool.
1: I mean they do a lot of really interesting cuts. We've seen it before where Zuko's looking at the map going, This person's a ge." Uh, a maneuverable, maneuvering genius, and the other team was looking at the map going, you have no idea where you're going, do you? And there have been so many of those that why wouldn't this be something? You know what I mean? Like It could be just any old cut, but they've done so many intentional cuts between Zuko and Iroh and Team Avatar that I don't know. I caught that this time.
0: I'm I'm with you. I think it was I think we're supposed to read I think we're reading into that the exact right amount.
1: Yay. You brought up to me, I think it was last episode, you asked if each time the avatar reincarnates, do they get better at mastering the other elements? Does it become quicker? And I could not help but think about that. As Aang is quickly picking up water bending. Like, I was like, this kid is really good. Like, really, really, really good. Like, something that Katara said took her two months to figure out. He picks up, he's like, oh, like this, and does it even better.
0: And it looked to me like he wasn't so much learning water bending as remembering water bending.
1: Yes. And I get that some of the movements of water bending are kind of similar to air bending. And that they're a little bit more fluid. It's not something as hard and rigid as earthbending as we see. So, yeah. Yeah, the remembering bit.
0: I will say I think I... I think this episode in particular softened me on that opinion a bit. Oh, okay. Maybe maybe surprisingly. Um, because while, yes, I do think that Looked like ang was remembering i don't think that's entirely what was at play here i think at least from a from a writing standpoint it was more about juxtaposing ang's approach to waterbending with how katara is demonstrated really in this episode but I'm, I'm trying to think back to to past times where we've seen her waterbend we haven't talked about it a lot so far in the show but when it comes to bending each of the elements, you know, Iroh touched on it a bit with Zuko, but there's there's almost a, a philosophic approach to each element. And you know, Iroh says with firebending it's about the the stance and the root and and transferring that energy. And we see that with a lot of the earthbenders that we've seen so far. They have a similar, you know, very uh, grounded approach to bending. You know, Bumi goes <laughs> yes. so far as to bend, earth bend barefoot to have that connection with the earth. Yeah. Um, but when we've seen Aang air bend, he's, like you said, very fluid, very, you know, go with the flow. And a lot of Katara's moves that we've seen in her water bending have been fluid motions. And a lot of what she teaches Aang is, you know, fluid motions, as you would expect. Water, it's like the. Fluid for people.
1: <laughs> the fluid.
0: I love that. It's, I mean, it's the one we care about. There are other <laughs> fluids, but like we really. People like water.
1: We care about the water.
0: But this episode, when we see Katara waterbend, she, she is not fluid.
1: She's more rigid.
0: She is. And she's willful. Mm. And maybe it's not the full explicit message of the episode. But I do think that a part of what Katara has to learn in this episode is that her water bending can't come from a place of willfulness.
1: Okay, I don't, I don't necessarily see that.
0: And maybe she doesn't learn that in this episode. Mm-hmm. Maybe she learns it later. Maybe, maybe the lesson isn't even fully taught. Mm-hmm. But I, I still, I think it's. I think there's an interesting comparison between Aang's approach, which is more willing, and Mm -hmm. Katara's approach, which is more willful, and the fact that Aang is more successful in this episode than Katara is.
1: Can you explain willful a little more? I'm trying to get a better picture.
0: She is... I'm thinking of it as the difference between imposing your will on something else and trying to exert your will versus being willing to accept what comes.
1: So she's pushing against the water, whereas Aang is flowing with the water. She's pushing the water up into the whip, and Aang is moving with the water into the water whip.
0: And bringing it into a whip, yeah.
1: Gotcha. Okay. That makes a bit more sense. And I think part of that, maybe part of that... Stems from an anxiety, an anxiety about letting someone in, about the pressure of teaching the avatar who has to save the world by the end of summer uh, how to water bend. The
0: pressure of teaching herself.
1: Yeah. of She's never had to, I mean, share something outside of herself.
0: The, the stress of knowing that everyone that she ever knew that was successful in this is gone.
1: What if she teaches the Avatar wrong? Like, what if she teaches him poorly? Like, there's a lot of pressure. This is his first... In her mind, this is his first exposure to waterbending. She doesn't know if he's met other waterbenders who've waterbended around him before.
0: What if she teaches the Avatar waterbending and the Fire Nation comes for him because of that? What if she teaches herself waterbending... And the Fire Nation comes for her, in the way that they came and defeated every Waterbender she ever knew.
1: What if she goes to teach Aang waterbending and he's bad, and she has to watch the savior of the world fail, and she can't even help him because she doesn't know enough about this to help him? She's like, I should have been studying a lot more. If I like, I would have been out there practicing every day, like. Grand Grand be darned, I'm going to, I'm going to teach myself how to do this because I need to train the avatar because they may not make it to the North Pole.
0: And all of those pressures, I think, are closing her off.
1: And it's going to make you more, it's going to, you're going to tighten your muscles. You're not even going to like knowingly do it. You're going to clench up. You're going to be more stiff and rigid in your motions. You can't. She needs to learn to let go of those and to focus on the present and to work and to work through it.
0: And not even just the physical side. She's not just being more, you know, rigid in her motions. She's being more rigid in her mindset, in her mentality, in her approach.
1: Mm, That this is the only, this is the only way to, this is the way I've learned to do it. So you have to do it like this. And Anne goes, oh, like this? And he does it and he does it bigger and better. And she's like, I guess. And there's 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 a resentment. There's, you know, a a feeling of loss. There's anger. And she's like, well, what does he need me for? This was the thing I could provide. What does he need me for? It's a lot. It's very charged. And I feel like there's a lot that goes unsaid about this. And she does. Apologize later, but I don't know if she she apologizes. But I don't think we get the the why as much. She, like she, like I said, she doesn't she doesn't say what was going on. She feels and sh- and and demonstrates what's going on within her. And I'll be curious to to what, to see that going forward. When does she actually express her feelings verbally? <laughs>
0: Well, that is interesting because I think it's really easy for us to sit here as, you know, not 11 year olds who are on the outside of this situation and can see it all. And we can relatively easily be like, yeah, this is, you know, probably why you're upset and why you're feeling this way. But I don't think she realizes. Yeah, no, I wouldn't.
1: I, oh, I would neither. The only way, I, the only reason I, you know, was thinking about, oh my god, the anxiety and the pressure of it, is because I've been that like twelve year old, twelve year old, thirteen year old girl who's like, why can't I get this stupid foul shot? Like, why can't I do it? Why am I missing every layup I take? And you're like, oh, you're putting like now, as you know, such and such number of years later, I can go, yeah. You put a lot of pressure on yourself, Kelly, and that's gonna make you, you know, not perform like you would've. We can look at back at it now, but yeah,
0: yeah. But when you're in that moment, it's it's tough to see.
1: Yeah, it's it's blinding. It's it's almost it's it's those blinders of I need to capture the avatar to regain my honor. That's the pressure she's under
0: Ooh. right now. Ooh, yeah, oh.
1: It's that blinding. She's got those blinders on. She's like, I need to teach the Avatar waterbending. I need to teach the Avatar waterbending. And she can't seem to do it. It just keeps getting more and more frustrated and then blows up. I wonder where we've seen that before.
0: In this episode, we don't really get a whole lot of Zuko going head-to-head with Aang, but we do get a lot of Zuko going head-to-head with Katara. Yes, we do. You're all right there.
1: Yes. <laughs> you have some
0: thoughts on that.
1: I do. I do have some thoughts on it.
0: Don't. No, you didn't. You you didn't think that. What? No, he was trying to intimidate her.
1: No, I don't think he was trying to intimidate her. I think he was actually trying to be nice, but he doesn't know how to. When he's like, "What did he say?"
0: With the necklace.
1: I'll save you from the pirates. I and I think there's this moment where you see Zuko start to get mad and then he like takes a step back. And he tries something different and he tries persuasion and he tries to be charming. And it doesn't work. And it's really funny.
0: <laughs> he hasn't practiced enough.
1: It's like his first time. It's such a different approach from what he's been doing. And I wonder if that's because before when he was trying to capture the Avatar, he, you know, it was a smash and grab situation. But here, like, the Avatar is closer. So you're going to have to do some more, like, of the minutia. You're going to have to do more of the, you know, talking bits. But he has no practice at it absolutely none
0: yeah he falls flat on this face
1: he only knows about it in theory He's like what would Iroh say and like tries to be like actually no I feel like this is a chance where we see maybe another family member of his he tries to think of because I don't think Iroh would do this I think other other people in his family would say you know I can help you he tries something different and it doesn't work so that he goes back to his old self which is great I really appreciate that. Cute animal alert. We have a new animal.
0: A new animal.
1: A new animal.
0: <laughs> One animal.
1: It's an iguana parrot.
0: I love this animal. It's so cool.
1: It, it's really freaky looking.
0: Maybe it's because I have a sauce spot in my heart for like, you know, pirate animal <laughs> Just pirate animals, parrots, monkeys, all of them
1: I think it was a really good combo for it um, yeah f- for this for this pirate team, the iguana parrot, it added the it added the creepiness to it, you know,
0: yeah, it also like I don't know about you, but i view I view slightly bigger reptiles as like natur- the natural enemy of small mammals, mm. So, I look at Iguana Parrot, and even before Iguana Parrot starts going after Momo, I'm just, like, very protective of Momo. <laughs> because I don't know if this thing wants to eat the the cute little one.
1: They both hissed at each other, and it was great. It was great. Yeah. Uh, I want to... So, you mentioned Momo. I want to just point out, at one point... I think it's, is it one of the pirates or something says something about, does that lemur have nine lives?
0: Yeah. Yeah. One of the pirates says that.
1: Someone says that. And I'm like, why would a lemur have nine lives? Is that a, is that a like colloquialism? In like, is that a saying in the avatar verse of like, of like, you know, the nine lives of a lemur, like a cat?
0: Do they have cats? In the avatar yes, universe, they yes, do there yeah. was the
1: cat with the mustache that I was like, "What is it?" and they're like, "It's just a mustache cat so i I just needed to talk about that because uh, the lemurs just, that's that's a thing that they talk about I don't know
0: well, you see cats don't have nine lives because they have mustaches
1: it's true, okay, that might be it
0: so the not the extra lives go to lemurs
1: another saying that they talk about at one point is. Sokka talks about a team of rhinos. Yeah. And I was like, just rhinos? And they said rhinos again, and I'm like, so not Komodo rhinos. Not Komodo Ryans. I'm like, just straight rhinos.
0: No, I I think like I think he meant Komodo rhinos.
1: Okay. I needed that clarified for me.
0: And you just, just like abbreviating it. Okay. I don't think they have rhinos. I think they only have Komodo rhinos. But if you only have Komodo rhinos and you're in a tense, stressful situation where, like, time is of the essence, you're just going to say rhinos.
1: I guess. I guess. I don't know. That just stuck out to me because I've been paying attention for any reference of animals. And another thing I wanted to bring up during the cute animal alert is we now have the bison whistle. Yeah. Who decided to make this whistle?
0: Maybe... It's just a relic.
1: But like, how... Okay, so I don't think Aang spent that much on a whistle. But then again, they did say he's bad with money. Because he bought it. He, di- it, he didn't have it on him. He bought it. He,
0: he bought it. He spent a copper piece on it. Okay. Because they had three and he was like, mm, no, we only have two. Because I bought this. So it was cheap. Yeah. I think that he bought it from a merchant who thought they were selling something useless?
1: Oh yeah, I don't think they actually thought it worked.
0: He bought it from a snake oil salesman who was like, "Yeah, this whistle, but like you blow into it and it doesn't make a sound."
1: But it's shaped like a bison. Yeah, yeah. It 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 is shaped like it's shaped like an like an air bison. And so I I totally think that so, that someone tried to con him because you know they haven't seen air bison, it like flying bison in forever, and they're like, like, yeah, kid, you know this, you'll find the nearest bison. And he's like, yep, need that, need that in my life.
0: I think sky bison whistles used to be a thing. Oh, yeah. But in the last hundred years, without any sky bison, they have shifted mm. from, like, this is a useful tool to this is a practical joke.
1: Oh, Okay.
0: And, you know, this is like the gag gift, the whistle that doesn't make a sound. And it's in this shape of this animal that doesn't even exist anymore because isn't that funny? Ha 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 ha.
1: I like that.
0: And so because it's like a Spencer's gift novelty. Yeah, it's the copper piece, whatever.
1: It seems like something you'd win at like a carnival. <laughs> like it's, it, it's- Yeah,
0: or like, you know, you'd go... To like a Chuck, Chuck like their cheese. version of a Chuck E. Cheese, and you'd that. spend like twenty bucks to get, you know, here's a thousand tickets, and what can I get? Here's a whistle that doesn't make any noise.
1: A finger trap and a whistle. <laughs> that's.
0: Yep. Like- <laughs> yeah, I think that's it. And like, <laughs> Ang was like, "Oh, what a great deal!" And the shop owner's like, "Ha ha ha ha! I got one." <laughs>
1: What a useful tool in today's world <laughs> is what Aang is thinking, and it works. I think it's great that it works. <laughs> yeah. But for the cute animal alert, I will give it to the iguana parrot because I really liked the colors, and it was nice to have a new animal this week.
0: Yeah, I'm just gonna give it to the one new animal. Just just one new animal, and like I don't want to give it to Appa or Momo for like the third time in a row.
1: True. This time I did try to expand our cute animal to talk about the other aspects of of the animals. So I'm expanding my idea of it a little.
0: I think it's coming along nicely. Definitely better this week than in past.
1: (laughs) Thanks. I noticed something with this village. And so there's this first shot where they like pan across the village and all the like seedy characters there. And as much as like, there's an array of weapons that are going on. I think the thing that stuck out for me the most is we see different color clothings and styles of clothings, and what I can only assume is multiple is multiple nations in one area. Like we see some water tribe get up, we see some earth tones, we see a little bit of fire pep- fire nation peppered in there. And I thought that was really cool. Have we seen something like that before? We
0: really haven't.
1: Like, this just really seems like a melting pot. Like, this is a no man's land.
0: And I think if we're gonna have that melting pot, like a, a port town, like, this is a trading hub.
1: Yeah. That's
0: that's where we are. That's what this is, and that's what it looks like.
1: I just thought it was a really cool detail, and it really, it takes the hometown uh advantage home team advantage away from Zuko and Iroh it takes it it takes it away from uh Sokka and Katara and Ang like there there is everyone is an outsider in this town
0: almost everyone
1: huh well no no I
0: think I think our pirates get home team advantage here oh,
1: yeah 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 that's a, a, let me rephrase that our two teams are the outsiders in this situation and they have no no like humble villager to sympathize with they, they there's no uh, you know and fire nation's not invading this port city like the this is neutral
0: yeah there's there's no oppressed people there's no garrison there's just you know yeah it's the market
1: it's really cool i i i really enjoyed it and i didn't realize how how much i'd pick up on that vibe from just that one panning shot
0: it's a good shot but yeah pirates we have pirates in this world what
1: okay so pirates have been a thing in atla for a long time but i like that they have the pirates at the beginning of this um it's uh in the kiyoshi books pirates are a huge deal huge deal
0: right but in our in our knowledge of the world like we're introducing pirates into this world in our ninth look
1: yes yes I guess it makes sense, though. It would make sense to have pirates.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, they make sense in the in the world that is being built. But it would have been like I would not have said, "Where are the pirates?" If there were no pirates. I feel like, generally speaking, I don't miss pirates when they're not there. But I'm also happy and willing to have them be pretty much everywhere. Did we
1: see pirates pop up again in the series.
0: We see these pirates pop up again in the series.
1: Specifically, these. Okay. I did think the pirates were a great addition, and I really loved the array of weapons. Yeah. Can we talk about the double crossbow net that we see?
0: Can we talk about Aang's attempt to bend a net with air away, and the net just being like, no.
1: The dude had a crossbow in each hand. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I also like the little call it up, like, am I not worth kidnapping? I guess we can kidnap this kid, too. Shoot another. (laughs) (laughs) These seem like very, very... They're skilled at their weapons. I mean, they are pirates. pirates. They had to get their wares somehow. Speaking of wares, the waterbending scroll. We need to at least talk about the waterbending scroll, seeing as that's the title of this episode.
0: It's a scroll that tells you how to waterbend.
1: Yeah. Did you... Maybe I need to pull up a picture of Katara's necklace again, but the little etching on the on the end, that looked really similar to her necklace. Am I wrong?
0: It's the same symbol.
1: It's the same symbol. Okay, that's what I thought.
0: It's like the water bending symbol. Yeah. Like every element has its own symbol. That's that's the one for water. Yeah. And I think when I think when we get to the north pole we see that symbol more. Yeah. Like, it's a design element.
1: I feel like it was calling to her.
0: Like, destiny?
1: Yeah. We get a callback in this episode.
0: What do we call back to?
1: My cabbages! Yes!
0: We yes. get two Omashu callbacks. Yeah! Because they spend the last of the money that Boomy gave them.
1: I love that Boomy gave them money. <laughs> <laughs> but also, you know, uh, the cabbage merchant has made his way from Omashu to this port city to sell his wares. You know, he's he's gone back. He's picked up more cabbages. He's ready to sell them. You know, pirates just love cabbages. And his, his cabbages are just everywhere all over again.
0: What I love is that Aang jumps through the cart and re- continues running. So for that split second, the cabbage merchant thinks that it's okay. Yes. Until Hank turns around and just airbends the whole cart into the pirates.
1: He's like, this is Omashu all over again. And I think that's really smart that they have the cabbage merchant not just say my cabbages, but to actually verbally acknowledge that he was in Omashu and that his cabbages were an issue in Omashu. And I think the next time we see him say my cabbages i don't think we get that i think they say ah you're smart enough to figure this out now i love a good callback i love a good running gag and the cabbage merchant is just a great running gag
0: he's a good one so where's our cabbage count right now
1: Ooh, so i believe four
0: four on the cabbage count
1: yes Wellton, so there is something that is very out of place in this episode Oh. We see Zuko laugh. We see Zuko laugh when the pirates have their boat taken from them. He smiles and he laughs and he has a moment of joy. Can you think of a moment before this where he laughs and has a moment of joy?
0: I can think of times where he's had a small moment of joy, but this is the first time we hear him laugh. Yep. How did I not notice this? You're totally right hmm We've seen him happy, like, twice before.
1: Mm-hmm. I mean, he captured the Avatar at least once or twice.
0: We've seen him happy, like, three times before.
1: But we hear him laugh.
0: Yeah. I will submit that this is not the happiest that we have seen Zuko.
1: No. No, 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 no. But just to see him let go of his facade and, for a moment, kind of relax the blinders of catching the Avatar to just laugh at the situation that... These pirates have had their boat stolen and like, ha ha, ha ha ha, sucks to be you. You know, you you've messed up and to laugh and to let go. And then he realizes that his boat is also gone because the pirates took them. But he has this moment where he kind of lets down his guard.
0: He acts his age for once.
1: Mm hmm. I like it. Yeah. I wanted to draw your attention to it because I don't think we're gonna hear him laugh for quite a bit month more, more time.
0: <laughs> he doesn't laugh often, but when he laughs, he means it.
1: Exactly. He I I feel like his laughter there is also just genuine relief. Like this has been like a a brawl that he didn't mean to get into with these pirates. And then, you know, It's the tension is cut. The tension is finally broken. And he feels it and he lets himself feel it.
0: Yeah. It's beautiful.
1: Yeah. So, Siko's laughter. So, the big question Colton was all of this worth it? Was stealing this water scroll worth it? Was searching for uh, a new white lotus tile worth it? What does this episode mean in the context?
0: I think for Team Avatar, it was worth it. Okay. I think getting the waterbending scroll is a big step. It's a big step for Aang. It's a big step for Katara. Mm -hmm. I think having the waterbending scroll and struggling with the waterbending scroll and learning to get past that and be able to work with Aang and share bending with him is a big step for Katara and an important step for Katara. I think, I think that having the wherewithal in the moment to out Ang as the avatar and turn the pirates against the fire nation is an important step for Sokka. Ooh, because I think that, you know, Taking that more daring approach and taking that daring approach against the pleadings of Katara and Aang is important for the rest of Team Avatar to learn to trust Sokka, but also for Sokka to learn that when he thinks he has an idea, he needs needs to go with it. And if the people around him aren't going to go along with him, he needs to convince them to go along with him because he has good ideas because it works really well.
1: He spent most of the episode cleaning crud out of Appa's toes. And bugs out of Appa's toes. And then he manages to talk his way out of this situation. I mean, he he throws gasoline on the fire of tension here. But that's really interesting that you picked up on that.
0: But not only does he talk them out of the danger... He talks them out of the danger by at first putting them in more danger.
1: I feel like it also shows that Sokka has confidence in his team. He believes in Aang and Katara. I mean, he's he's not the one with bending, but he believes that they can get out of that situation.
0: Yeah, and I think he's starting to believe you know, just to take that a step further in the group's ability to protect itself beyond his ability to protect the group.
1: Oh, that's really interesting. I hadn't thought about that. I think
0: he's I think he's starting to get past some of his you know, some of his issues around needing to protect everyone around him.
1: Some of his insecurities with his plans as well. I mean, he came out pretty bold with it.
0: <laughs> yeah. Huh.
1: Yeah. Okay. And
0: he and I think it is very easy to say that if the pirates did not know that Aang was the avatar that the group would have been safer had they been captured by the pirates yeah because the pirates don't know what they have if they know that Aang's the avatar then like the group is in a lot more danger that's true and i think we know that because so far they have been trying to conceal the fact Everywhere they go, that thing is the avatar. And now, Sokka's saying, "You know what? In this situation, yeah, it's, it puts us in more danger, but it also puts us at an advantage."
1: Hmm. I hadn't thought of that.
0: So yeah, I think I think for everyone in Team Avatar and for Team Avatar as a whole, this was all worth it.
1: Interesting. Okay.
0: For Zuko and Iroh?
1: Was it worth it? I don't know. Okay. I don't know, because
0: on, on the one hand, they they didn't get anything.
1: I mean, Uncle has a new proverb.
0: Iroh has a new proverb. Iroh found his lotus tile.
1: was up his sleeve the whole time.
0: <laughs> I mean, I think the, the question of was it worth it for Iroh is kind of almost always not the question to be asking, because that's that's not how Iroh works. It's not, you know, this, Iroh doesn't look at things as, you know, this or that. Iroh looks at things as this and that, and everything is this and that. And, you know, Iroh just looks at the world in a different way. And so the question of worth, I don't think is one that applies to him. That's fair. Because everything is an opportunity for something. And whatever this moment is an opportunity for, well, that's the thing, isn't it? Like that's how Iroh works. For Zuko, that's tough to say because...
1: He almost captured the Avatar. Again! He almost <laughs> captured the
0: Avatar. He got closer to capturing the Avatar. He has... He doesn't have his little boat. He still has his big boat. He's got to get back to his big boat. But he has a trail on the Avatar that he thought he had before, but it turns out he didn't. So, I guess it was worth it for him, even though he might not see it. But... Isn't that sort of the tragedy of Zuko the whole time? Not seeing what's right in front of his face?
1: He also has poor depth perception, though, so let's not fault him for that.
0: (laughs) That's, I mean, and when things are right in front of your face, it's really hard to see them.
1: I think what's so interesting about this episode is I feel like I could be wrong, but I feel like a lot of people don't like this episode. I can
0: understand. that. I mean, from like a very get to the goal perspective, we kind of this episode is just a diversion. It doesn't get us closer to the North Pole.
1: And I'll be honest, I think the first time or two, I didn't like this episode because I was like, Katara, you took an unnecessary risk by stealing from pirates. okay? especially when everybody's already out to get you but i think thinking about it in context of all the information that just got dumped on them and the time pressure and everything i think i understand it a bit better now i don't think i had the perspective to appreciate it back then mm.
0: i think looking at it from a perspective of character development it's you know th- this is a this is an episode of character development And a lot of times when you have that, you're not necessarily moving the plot forward as much. But if you have plot without character development, it's hollow, it's empty, and you don't come back to it for years and years and years and bug your best friend for a decade (laughs) to watch it and then decide to watch it yet again (laughs) with the friend who just watched it after a decade of bugging and... Decide to talk about it every week.
1: Hey, you asked me.
0: This is true. But (laughs) you said yes.
1: I did say yes. Because I was going to watch it again at some point. May as well watch it with you. You
0: said yes because it's a great show. And it's a great show because it has great characters. Yeah. And episodes like this make the characters
1: great. Thank you for listening to The Pie Show. If you liked what you heard, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. You can find our show notes at thepieshowfm slash nine. If you'd like to reach us, you can send us a tweet at show or email us at podcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear your thoughts. I love the choice of the word boutique. Yes. That is what it is, a boutique.
0: I mean, it is a boutique. It's like an antique boutique.
1: I guess. I mean, pirate bartering is not exactly what I would think of like a boutique. Like a boutique, I'm thinking like a cute, charming little town on Main Street, you know, of like Concord, Massachusetts. And like there's an artisanal cheese shop across the way. Like that's what I'm thinking for a boutique.
0: Okay, but if you took the inside of the pirate ship... And you put it in like a corner store. And instead of a pirate captain behind the counter, it was like a little old granny. That would be a boutique. I guess. You would think of it as a boutique just based on the wares because they're so eclectic.
1: Why can't a granny be a pirate?
0: I didn't say a granny couldn't be a pirate. I'm just assuming that this particular granny has retired from piracy. This is a this is a former pirate granny.
1: Okay, now I can see it. You've sold me on this. You've sold there me you on go. this. Maybe boutique. Maybe boutique does fit.
0: There's like an eclectic set of wares. It's warm and welcoming, but like also kind of dark and mysterious. And you know, when the lights go out, it's probably really creepy.
1: Like a small town in Maine.
0: There's like a random animal roaming around the shop.
1: And Stephen King is riding outside.
0: The carpets probably smell a little funny. (laughs) It's definitely musty.
1: There's a crystal punch bowl with three out of four glasses there. And it seems almost cursed.
0: So my question to you is why can't a pirate run a boutique?
1: You're right. I was being ignorant.
0: Boutiques are for everyone. (laughs)
1: That's the hill you're going to die on.
0: (laughs) I don't know why I decided to die on that hill.
1: (laughs) They could have said shop. Like, a boutique is just like... I I just thought it was just such an interesting word choice. But, eh, I mean, like you said, they do sell, you know, rare goods to, like, noblemen. So, who am I to judge? The thing is, boutique is, like, in the... You're going to make me look up the definition of boutique.
0: (laughs) No, that's a different show. That's a different show. Yeah. When this show is done, we can start a new podcast where we critique the word choice of Netflix (laughs) summaries.
1: Like boutique. Such Just such a weird choice. We
0: can call it boutique critique.
1: I love it. Great. There we go. We've got something, boys.
0: If we do a, a spin-off where we only talk about the movie reviews, then we can call it Boutique Critique Cinématique.
1: Boutique Critique Cinématique? Yeah, this is perfect.
0: This is beautiful. C'est
1: magnifique. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did set up. I did set up with the French accent so I could do that. <laughs> didn't see that coming. I did not. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> oh, you got be good. <laughs> we should get out with the episode. Yeah, we should. Yeah, we should. We should.